Welcome to Leaning Forward, where experts come together to make schools better for, for all, all of us. us. Brought to you by the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence in partnership with educators everywhere. Welcome everybody to Leading Forward. On today's episode, we are talking about student well-being as well as the challenges of addressing the varied needs in our communities. We're lucky that today with us we have Dr. Michelle Bowers, the superintendent of the Lancaster Elementary School District. She will be sharing with us some of the strategies through which her district has met the varied needs in her community. Dr. Bowers, thank you so much for being with us today. Start out by telling our listeners a little bit about Lancaster. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm excited to have an opportunity to chat with you today. I am the proud superintendent of Lancaster School District, and we are in the far northwest region of Los Angeles County here in California. And Lancaster is a very diverse community, and our Wonderful little elementary district is a very diverse elementary district. We serve approximately 15,000 students through 22 schools. So I have five comprehensive middle schools, an alternative education program for virtual learning, and elementary schools that are either K-5 or or K-6 programs. We have a very significant number of our students of our population are identified as low socioeconomic. That's approximately 90%. And when I reference diversity, we have about 52% Latinx and approximately 30% African-American students and about 16 or 17% Caucasian students. So we have a large black and brown population that we happily serve. I'm excited to serve them. Additionally, though, we have some other unique areas that we have to make sure we're addressing. And and that's the fact that we have a significant foster population, about 5%, and about 4% of our students are identified as homeless students. Equally important, we have approximately 14% of our students who have been identified as special needs. So we have some pockets of population that keep us very busy. And we have to make sure that in addition to meeting the academic needs that we are also very sensitive to, very aware of, and very intentional about meeting some of these other needs that we know our children and our families come to us with. Now I know the people listening, they can't see your beaming smile, but you clearly love this community so much. I have been part of this community for a long time, and I won't tell you how long, then they're going to start thinking about my age. So we won't say how long, I'll just say a long time. I will add that this is my ninth year as superintendent here in Lancaster. Prior to that, I did serve as deputy superintendent and assistant superintendent for educational services here in Lancaster and assistant principal. So I have been part of the Lancaster School District family and part of the Antelope Valley and specifically Lancaster community for a few decades. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so in this, I love that you called it a family. In your Lancaster family, what does it mean when you hear the term well-being or student well-being? What does that mean in your community? Well, 
it's very similar to what you would think well-being means with any family. We care about the well-being, the livelihood, the things that are not necessarily directly tied to academic outcomes. We care about the whole child. We care about the whole family. We care about what you care about. So we we care about the physical well-being of our families. We care about the social emotional well-being. We care about the mental health needs. Because if we don't, if we ignore those things, we see them play out in the classroom, in the school building. Because kids have to have those hierarchy of needs fulfilled and met, and they have to be in place so that they feel safe and they can focus on learning. They can focus on being their best self and let the adults worry about some of the adult things. But we know our families need support, but our kiddos need support as well. So what does that look like? I I know there's a lot there, but give us a couple of stories and how you've address needs in ways that listeners might not be thinking of because they serve a different community, or maybe they're just starting on this journey and are trying to find an entry spot, right? What are some of the vast ways in which you've addressed some of the needs in, in your family? Well, after becoming superintendent, one of the things that I observed, and obviously in working with the community and just really being intimately aware of the growing population and the needs of our families was the need for us to not only look at a centralized registration, a lot of people have thought about that centralized registration because we were just doing it at the school sites, but in the Antelope Valley and in Lancaster specifically, things are spread. We geographically wide open spaces. You can't assume that people will drive to the school and register. A lot of our families are walking. A lot of our families uh, have multiple children. A lot of our families are dealing with food and housing insecurities. So when we start thinking about what is what did that look like for us, it really was heavy on my heart to think about how might we improve situations for and access for our families. So a few years ago, several years ago, probably now it's been about five to seven years, we started a, a welcome and wellness center and that we definitely wanted to be more than just centralized uh, enrollment and registration. So that is a place that not only can you, you can still register at the school site, but additionally, we have the centralized registration place, but we have partnerships. They really are in charge of establishing partnerships so we can assist with bringing immunizations to our community. We can assist with addressing some of the needs of our homeless families. We can assist with pointing people in the right direction to get housing assistance, food. We, we're part of every waiver that we can have access to, but we feed all youth and we're providing meals Monday through Sunday. So we actually distribute meals three days a week, but it's enough for seven days. And that's breakfast and lunch. We have partnered with other agencies to provide diapers, formula, clothing, coats, socks, shoes, taxi vouchers, things like that, which typically don't fall under the umbrella of a a local education agency. But if we don't think about those and think about ways that we can partner with individuals or groups or agencies 
If we don't think about where those resources are in our community, then our families are going to be at a disadvantage. We partner with agencies that provide uh, social emotional assistance, that provide counseling assistance, immunizations, as I mentioned earlier, and even mental health support. So Lancaster, the Antelope Valley happens to be in SPA 1, which is the Specialized Planning Area 1. And if people look up the, the Department of Public Health information on SPA 1, what you'll find is that we have off-the-chart numbers when it comes to obesity, when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to physical health and conditions, and when it comes to mental health conditions. So we have, we're, we have significant concerns when it comes to the health, mind, body, and soul health of members of our community. And we cannot get to the educational component without being aware of that. And not just for the children, but for adults. When you look at what that means, it is as impactful and as important for the adults in the community as it is for the children. So I love hearing about how you're meeting the needs of kids. And as a, a leader and an educator myself, what I keep wondering is, how are you finding the, the, the time, the resources? Maybe you can help us understand a little bit of how you got to this point. Because I know folks who are listening are going, I know this is important. I care about my kiddos. And I don't know where to start or how to manage all the people that want to help because, you know, we get emails saying, I've got extra this, like, where do I drop it off? Or who, who needs socks? And uh, tell me how you connect the dots between how people want to help and what kids need and, and what that process looks like in Lancaster. Well, it's, it's interesting. I have become, I don't know, there's probably a nickname out there somewhere for me, but I'm <laughs> I have I'll make to, sure to look. I was going to say, I, I have to keep my ears open for that. But I have a reputation for really kind of saying yes. If people say, I have, do you have a need for? Yes. Thank you very much. I'm just effusive with joy about the fact that they have reached out to Lancaster School District with books, with supplies, with uh, backpacks, with all of these things. And they know that while it may not be me personally, I am going to identify resources within our system, our school system, many of which live in this department that I established, the Welcome and Wellness Center, and connect them with those folks. And then we have giveaways. And, and when people register and we are able to identify needs, then we make sure to connect those people with needs. We store a lot of these materials so we can take families right over to where we store these items and load them up with diapers and formula and coats and shoes and school supplies so that they leave at least with materials that day that they need. And we put our heads together so I don't have to have all the answers and I don't have to have all the resources, but I surround myself with people that have big hearts and are willing to help and see the common need and the common purpose, the shared vision. And together we make a difference. I applaud our classified union, uh, CSEA, every year. They have had 
been a key partner in a coat drive. And they collect coats and they go to the local cleaners and the local cleaners volunteers to donate cleaning of all of these coats that have been donated. And surprisingly enough, you won't believe this, surprisingly enough, every school has a lost and found. So every year we have tons of things that haven't been claimed and we send out the all call. Okay, parents, come and claim your child this, that, or the other. And at the end of the day, we gather all that stuff up and clean it. And then we have these giveaways. So there are lots of ways. There are lots of willing individuals. There's a lot of willing organizations. And it's identifying where these resources are and being open and inviting partnerships. So when people reach out, you can't hesitate. You can't say, well, okay, call this person or call that person. I make that call myself. They hear from me. I respond to their email. So they hear from me first, and then they will receive a warm, welcoming handoff to a person that I know is going to take care of them. And it is that compassion, that willingness to engage directly that gets people to pick up the phone and and call me with more. It's I will share with you, there was an organization, they reached out to me. They, it's like, oh, well, we heard that you, so, yes, absolutely, I, I do, and wanted to know if you would be interested in, absolutely, I would be interested in any donations you can, you know, push my way. So, you know, a lot of times people or agencies will test the waters to see how responsive you are. And the more responsive you are, the more you get. So we, we rallied the troops so that we can completely leverage the resources and the compassion and, and the commitment. And it's not just locally. We've got places that are 60, 70, 80 miles away, places that are 100 miles away that are sending me a check or, or driving trucks of supplies up to little low Lancaster. Uh, so we we take things and we are very appreciative and very grateful for all of those partnerships and all of the donations that we receive. And it must have such a huge impact on, on your students and on the families that you serve. It does, it does. I will tell you recently at our Welcome and Wellness Center, our director there received a phone call from a parent who inquired about uh, resources and assistance that we might be able to provide because she was homeless and the director shared with her what we could do, including diapers and clothing and school supplies. And that we, we actually centered that building through a partnership with another nonprofit organization and we share space, we lease space from them and they provide meals there. In addition to our school districts, our schools providing meals. Long story short, this parent, we found out after she got there, this parent had packed up her three kids, I believe. One was still on her hip. And she was staying at a motel that was about two miles away. She walked to get to us. She walked. She backed up her kids and walked. And when we found out that she had walked over there because she couldn't take the materials we were trying to share with her provider and eat our folks 
packed up the stuff, packed up the folks and drove them back to the hotel. And that woman walked outside and just cried. She just cried. So in the midst of all of this COVID pandemic, in the midst of, and this has been going on for years, long before COVID and the pandemic, but our current situation with the pandemic has kind of shined a spotlight and worsened some conditions for many families that already were struggling. So we find that number of families that just need some assistance growing. We have a marquee on one of my facilities, one of the main facilities on a main boulevard, and I had them put up there. Need help? We're here for you. Call this number. It's as simple as that. So we've sent out flyers to our families, letting them know, we get it. So if you need some help, give us a call. This is how you can reach out to us. And, you know, we make sure we don't keep it a secret. Uh, we don't discriminate. So uh, there's things there's things that we can't do, but I choose to focus on what we can do. And we have that that strength-based, what can we do? We can't solve everything, but we can impact a lot. So on that note, right, on what people can do, what might be three easy things that people listening can do tomorrow, can do when the podcast finishes, that can have an impact? Oh, my goodness. I would say get connected and stay connected. And when I say get connected and stay connected, I'm speaking of different audiences. Number one, get connected and stay connected with the folks you serve, with your community, with the families. What are their needs? Who are they? What are they really having to live with? What are they struggling with? Um, what's not a struggle? So it's, it's not easy, uh, nor should we assume sitting in our chair that we have all the answers because we don't even know the questions. So get connected and stay connected to whom you serve. And once you have a better understanding and empathy about that situation, get connected and stay connected with organizations in your community and outside of your community that have resources because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. We need to get connected with places that have resources and then see what a partnership could look like. Let them share the plight of some of the families. What are we struggling with? Is there any way you can help? Let, what can I do to support what you're doing? How can we work together to improve this? And surprisingly, there's a lot of different places that are hidden gems, just little nuggets of wonderfulness and individuals that want to help. They need an opportunity and they need access. So if we are open to being that opportunity and that access, I think that we will be able to better serve our community of families and really meet their needs. So that would be one is, is get connected and stay, stay connected. And that's kind of a big one, but <laughs> I know. And then I, I would say a second one is to be visible and be genuinely empathetic, be genuinely present, be genuinely and authentically participatory. 
So I'm at the giveaways. I'm talking to folks. I'm handing out food. I am laughing and being part of the celebration or whatever it is that we're doing. I take the phone calls. I respond to the emails. So I am not in a glass house where I can't be reached or push everything off. And I know it's a lot to ask. But I tell people often I have a 24-7, 365 job. And I truly do mean, I, you know, I'm on the clock, around the clock. Because I want to make sure that people know that I, as superintendent, am very appreciative. That I am not afraid to ask or to participate or go to various functions and be seen so that I can have a voice. So you need to make sure you have a seat at the table. You want to be in the room so that you can be part of those critical conversations. And then I would say last thing, you said three things. I, so I would say the third thing as far as advice is be empathetic and stay committed and figure out ways, identify ways and opportunities to internally within your system make sure that you tell that story. Because not always do we remember who we serve. Not always do we remember that there may be a very good reason that the family didn't turn on their camera today. Because if I'm sitting in the back of the car, or if there may be a very good reason that I didn't log on today, because if I'm homeless, I don't even have a place to plug in my laptop to charge it. So let's be good listeners and listen to learn and not just be punitive all the time or condemning or judgmental. Because if we know who we serve and we remember that there could be far more going on and this story is not unique. Oftentimes kids are dealing with things or families are dealing with things and they continue to feel more and more disconnected from the school, from the, the adults in our system, until it only takes one person that's willing to listen. It only takes one. And when that one person says, well, why are you acting like this? Or why, why are you so, so angry? Or why? why didn't you tell us this? Because no one ever asked. No one ever listened. So I would say third, ask compassionate questions and listen authentically with an ear to, to help. Because in most instances, we are all doing the best that we know how to do or the best that we're able to do. So we want to assume good intentions and assume uh, a good heart. Thank you. Words to live by. I love those three pieces of advice, right? The get connected, stay connected, the like participate, show up, get a seat at the table. And last but not least, to sort of listen with empathy and, and ask those important questions. So much wisdom. You are doing phenomenal things in Lancaster. So hopefully people listening will send their coats and send big checks. Uh, but Dr. Bowers, <laughs> I know you'll say yes. So I'll say yes. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate having you and thank you for all that you do in Lancaster. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Have a wonderful rest of your day. 
listening. And thank you for making education better for, for all of us. Leading Forward is a companion to the CCEE Field Guide for Accelerating Learning, Equity, and Well-Being. And produced by Copernicus Solutions. For more information, visit www.ccee-ca.org.